Thank you. I was reading a scripture the other day that I had read, I don't know, hundreds of times before in the Gospel of Luke. And um, I saw some things I had never seen before. Often we're saying, God, you know, give us more revelation. Let us see you more. And sometimes we're, sometimes we're thinking that just means like, you know, suddenly Jesus is going to show up in the room. And man, I want that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but when we're saying we want to see more and when God wants to reveal more and more of his heart, a lot of it's going to come in the form of things you had never seen before. Looking at things that seemed ordinary to you or things you've read a hundred times. And God says, let me show you some layers and depths of things you've never seen before. That's a lot of how he reveals himself. And so I was reading this scripture. I'm just going to read it to you first because I'm sure most of you in this room have read this many times. Luke chapter 8, verse 45. Now there was a woman suffering from a hemorrhage for the past 12 years whom no one had been able to cure. She came up behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his cloak And the hemorrhage stopped at that very moment. Jesus said, who was that that touched me? And when everyone around him denied it, Peter said, Master, it's the crowds around you pushing. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt that power had gone out from me. Seeing herself discovered, the woman came forward trembling. And falling at his feet, explained in front of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been cured at that very moment. My daughter, Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, I've, like I said, I've read that so many times, especially in regard to healing and relationship to healing. I've, I have seen... Personally, I've seen Jesus heal hundreds, if not thousands of people in my life by now. Uh, so I know he's a healer. Um, and often when I, when I read this scripture, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the physical aspect of this woman that, that for 12 years had an issue of blood for, that nobody could cure. And Jesus instantly cures it. I mean, that's awesome. That's our Jesus. That's what he does. In fact, I full-on believe had one or two of you already shared with me, you felt some things already tonight when we were praying heaven to earth over your bodies, healing, and then even up here. I, I fully believe um, many of you are going to go home and realize the things that you came with in the way of injuries or illnesses you don't have anymore. That's our Jesus. He does that all the time. But that's a different story. Uh, I want to get back to this woman right here to tell you about what, what I never saw before. Um, this, this line that says, uh, Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt power had gone out from, from me. And seeing herself discovered, many of your uh, scriptures are going to read, seeing that she was not hidden. The woman came forward trembling. Jesus is a master at healing the whole person. And what I never saw in this story before a few days ago was that Jesus was healing this woman of shame. I never saw it before. 
just think about it for a minute. Someone who has a disease that, not just any disease, but one that's one just even a little bit humiliating or shameful to talk about. I'd rather not even talk about what's going on with me, except that it's been ruining my life for 12 years. And she went about, it says that nobody could help her. Do you know, I guarantee you, she did all the doctor stuff. Everybody that she did finally, you know, reach out to tell, well, did you try this? Did you try that? Well-meaning people. Except that, yeah, I did try this and I did try that and still nothing. And so then she hears about Jesus. She must have known about him. There's no way she would have gone up to try to touch him unless she had heard about this amazing Jesus and him healing. And she touches him and, and instantly she's healed. After 12 years of, of not only pain, but, but some shame and humiliation. Even those around her who said, what? You know, you're not healed yet? You prayed to God and you're still not healed? What's wrong? You have some sin in your life? These are conversations you may have had with people. By the way, can I just go there really quickly? I don't read, I don't read any place where Jesus, I don't read any place, any, any healing story where Jesus stopped and said, let's talk about your sin first. Let's have you confess some sin and then I'll release my healing power. I don't see it one time. Someone, someone says to me the other day, yeah, but what about, you know, go and sin no more? Completely different circumstance than I can teach on that whole story, but that had nothing to do with healing that woman physically. Absolutely, he restored her again, brought her out of shame. I, I, understand, that, I understand we can do things. I understand even stress, as we know, ruins our bodies. So I'm not saying that there isn't some correlation. All I'm saying is I don't see Jesus doing that. I see him demonstrating the kingdom, showing the goodness and the amazingness of God and the power of God. And then people respond to his goodness. And isn't that the gospel? That's the gospel. We just get to dish out the good news, not just in words, but in deeds and in power. And then people fall to their knees in in gratitude and they come to this God. So here's Jesus. He heals her after 12 years. And I want to tell you, when he says, who was it that touched me? I guarantee you she is backing off like, oh, crud. I do not want to be noticed here. And he's not going to let it go. Why? Because he's healing the whole person. He's, he's Jesus. I guarantee you he knows a lot about what's going on. If we have some words of knowledge, how, how much do you think Jesus operated in the word of knowledge? Of God showing him some things he needed to know. So he calls her forward and she thinks she's in deep doo-doo. She thinks it's the next round of shame over her. She thinks she's in massive trouble. You know, she thinks Jesus is going to say, you stole my power. How dare you? Shame on you. That's what she's expecting. Instead, Jesus says to her, my daughter, your faith has saved you. Many of yours will say heal you. That word is your faith has sozoed you. That's the word used there. Your choice to believe who I really am, to actually agree with that, that that right there, that sozoed you, that saved you, that healed you in your physical body, but it also, that also is what, knowing who I am and now seeing my eyes and my look of love to you. I am taking away 
the shame that's been on you. I'm going to take away 12 years of shame off of, your, off of you just like that. Just like your physical body got healed. My daughter. See, he's, he's giving her identity. Daughter. You didn't know who you were. Daughter. But your choice to believe who I am and come to me, that has saved you. It's sozoed you. It's healed you. That, um, that shame thing, we've been talking about it a lot lately. And, you know, it's not like we get together in our elder meetings and say, you know, we're going to do two months on talking about shame, you know, until, until we all just get released from this. It's not really not how it works. We just, all of us are being led by the Spirit. But it's like the Lord's on something right now. When He starts to underline something over and over, it's because He wants us to get it, not so that we're going to be locked in it, but so that we can get freed from it and move on. When we talk about the winds of change, and, you know, moving into this new thing that, the God, that God is doing, something we have never seen before, he, we can't stay in the old and move into the new. We can't. And shame is one of those things that keeps us locked in the old. And God says, God says I can't have that. You've got to know who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are, and we're going to move past this shame thing. Check this out in um, Psalm 71. Verses 1 and 2. In you, we actually sang a similar psalm tonight. But this is Psalm 71. In you, Yahweh, Lord, Father, I take refuge. I shall never be put to shame. In your, in your righteousness, in your righteousness, not our, our, not our goodness, in your righteousness, Lord, rescue me, deliver me, listen to me, save me. In you, God, I take refuge. So he's, the, the thing about shame that happens with us, when we are shamed and we are made to feel bad at different points in our life, that we don't measure up, that we aren't good enough, that we're damaged material, what happens is, is because of the pain and because we do not want to experience more and more of this, of shame, we just put up these huge walls. We all, we all have done it. In different ways. And what God is saying is, I'm, I'm your refuge. And the more that you, the more that you will lower your walls down to me first. He understands that it's not always feeling safe out this way. He says, lower your walls down to me. Let me in. Let me be that place. And in that place, there is no shame. Jesus, who perfectly represents the Father, right? Is, is, is Jesus the perfect representation of the Father? Yes, yes that's what he said. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm the perfect representation of my dad. So Jesus, anytime he had the opportunity to shame, he did not. The woman who was caught in adultery. That would have been in a prime time. How, you, you foolish person, what were you thinking? He doesn't say that at all. Do you know when Peter comes to, when Peter was, Peter felt tremendous shame for denying the Lord three times. He, he does so around this charcoal fire. And, and Jesus, after his crucifixion and after he's raised from the dead while he's still on the earth, he brings Peter back to this charcoal fire where he's cooking up some fish. Peter's the first one back from the boat out to meet Jesus. Why did he bring him around the same sights and smells? Because he's bringing him back to the place of shame. And he's saying, Peter, we're going to do it different this time. 
And you're going to hear yourself three times tell me that you love me. Not because I don't know that, Peter. I know everything about your heart. But you need to know that you love me. You need to hear yourself say it. Because shame has no place here. And do you know when Peter came out, out, out from the boat, you know, he couldn't, he didn't wait for them to row, right? He jumps in because it's the Lord. He's jumping in to meet Jesus. And do you know that Jesus didn't even mention anything about the denials? Didn't even mention it. Are you kidding me? Wouldn't that have been a great time to teach him something, you know? You know, Peter, that wasn't really cool. I forgive you and all. Doesn't even mention it. Because the Lord is never going to shame us. He died to take away our shame. Wow. There's there's more I'm going to share with you. But I asked if Karina, she's got just an awesome uh, testimony she's going to share that's got fit right in here. And then we're going to do, we're actually going to do something with this. I'm not just going to give you information. I'm going to give you the ability to release things as the Lord does so for you. Okay. Yeah, so good. Um, oh. <laughs> Wow. Jesus. So good. Yeah. So good. Even as Brent's talking about this subject. And I shared several weeks ago on this topic as we start talking about shame and, and as the Lord brings up things in your own heart. Um, as I was sharing before, it's like as you start talking about it, that thing just starts withering and dying because it doesn't like to be exposed to the light. And so even as we talk about it, you know, God just begins to bring healing because the light, when, when light comes on those places that have been so hidden, Jesus brings healing. And that thing just begins to die. It can't stand to be exposed to the light. It doesn't like to be talked about. So... um yeah, shame, that feeling of of being somehow flawed and therefore um, so unworthy of, of real love and belonging. That's such a real feeling for many people. And, and I had that for many years. And I talked several weeks ago about when um, the Lord healed me of that. The, the big heaviness of shame in my life was was trauma from my past and things that I had been through. And I described it almost like coming up out of the water for the first time, like I could really breathe, like, wow, taking a deep breath. And I could really breathe for the first time. And that was things from my past. And, and you know, a lot of times it's not even the actual um, traumatic events in your life. It's, it's the shame that holds you back so much that being hidden and not talking about it, feeling like you're the only one that these things have happened to. So the Lord healed me of those things. But what I wanted to uh, share with you, this testimony is um, kind of some subtle things where shame had come up in my life, subtle lies where... Um, these lies would pop up like, you're not enough. You don't measure up. Um, 
those kind of things. And for me, um, it would show up like I would defer to, um, I don't know, some of you might be able to identify with this, but I would defer to other people in the room that I felt were superior or maybe I thought were more qualified. And when I I would feel kind of like I'm not enough, so I would defer to them in different situations, Um, whether it was work, um, maybe when my supervisor would show up and I'd be running a session with one of my kiddos at, at work and my supervisor would come on the scene and all of a sudden I would freeze, or even in ministry, if I felt like someone had more answers or something like that, like, oh gosh. So for me, to, in order to protect myself, I would get really confused and blank out. <laughs> um, and I felt lots of shame about that. I was really embarrassed. And, but when the Lord started showing me, you know, what was going on inside in my heart that I was, um, you know, really just wanting to protect myself and, and really going there and looking at this with him, what was going on, um, the shame kind of started to leave on its own, even before he started speaking truth to me. Um, that was cool. And then, you know, it's a matter of um, worth and identity, right? So Jesus just began to start dealing with those issues in my heart, you know, how much he loves me. And so much of um, being, being with him, of course, it's not about what we're doing at all. It's all about being who we are as his sons and daughters, not at all about what we do and identity and all of that and how how much, um, how deserving I am of his love, how worthy I am to receive his love. And just started speaking more and more truth to me in those areas. And um, so it wasn't like quick, you know, where I saw a change. But over time, I, I started seeing, um, wow, gosh, that, that I didn't feel the need to protect myself so much. And um, my supervisor would come and uh, kind of see if I was doing the right thing on some of my sessions at work. And I, I was just starting to be myself, and I wouldn't even notice she was there anymore. Where before I would, I would you know, freeze and I, I would feel so debilitated and look to her like, am I doing it right? You do, why don't you do it? I don't know what I'm doing. Where inside, I, I really did know what I was doing. I knew that I had the answers. But it got to where I was able to be myself. And um, it's about really being wholehearted, right? And and not being perfect. We're talking about, you know, being being perfect in his eyes is being ourselves, Right. So just, uh, I was able to really be myself. And the shame is starting to go. And there's still some times, I have to admit, where I still freeze up. But it's becoming a lot less and less and less. So I, I really want to bless you and tell you that you are enough. And um, maybe for you, shame is not this huge traumatic thing where something big has happened in your life. Maybe it's those the little tape that plays in your head that says you're not enough. 
and those kinds of things. But but I, I want to tell you, you are enough. And And like Brent says, tonight is your night. Jesus is going to show up for you and begin to break those lies. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to um, I want to read another another one that maybe another story that uh, maybe you've read before and you haven't ever thought about it like this before. But uh, remember when Jesus was was uh, going out uh, and kind of beginning to assemble his followers. And we got this story in um, Luke chapter 5 where um, Jesus comes up and there's, there's Peter and uh, a few others. This is where four different disciples are called. Uh, this, is where, this is where Jesus says, um, you know, they were out fishing all night, got nothing. And Jesus, for the first time, said to them, I want you to put your fish on the other side or your net on the other side. See what you catch. And they, they bring it up and there's a, such a huge haul that they need extra help. Just to, just to bring it all in. And then a very interesting thing happens. Um, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus saying, Leave me, Lord. I am a sinful man. What is that all about? That's shame. That was Peter looking at the, just looking into the eyes of love himself, Peter looking into the, of someone of a very good man, the best, the best who has ever lived, but Peter seeing the glory of God in Jesus in the midst of that saw his own, uh, he lowered his own worth and said, I'm a person you do not want to be around. That's what shame does. It, shame will cause you to sabotage relationships. It causes you to do that at times. And that's what Peter tried to do. Right at the beginning, Peter doesn't know what he's, what he's going to be offered. He doesn't know that uh, the Lord of history is about to invite him into his inner circle. All he knows is he just met a man that is making him by his own worth, not by Jesus, not anything Jesus did, Peter, by his own worth, is feeling this small and says, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. What does Jesus do? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> he says, yeah, he says, Simon, don't be afraid. No worries. Don't be afraid. See, Jesus is looking right into him and seeing the fears in his own heart. He says, Simon, you know what? You don't know me yet, but I am really safe. I'm the safest person you will ever meet in your life. And I am one person you do not have to be afraid of. So he says, don't be afraid. From now on, it's people that you will be catching. And they left everything and they followed him. You know what he was doing? He was giving him identity. He was giving him worth. He was saying, Peter, I I know you don't know who you are yet, but just take it from me. I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of who, who you really are and, and what your life is really going to be about. So Jesus, again, is just moving right past the shame and calling him up and telling him who he is. That's what he does. Um, I 
Someone's just looking for a blessing, huh? Bless you. There's also lots of laughter going on over here, so God God is multitasking at the moment. <laughs> but I am gonna go deep, really deep here for a second. So Jesus, yes, Jesus died for our sin. He died to take away everything, every possible thing that could separate you from the Father. He took every one of those wrong thoughts, wrong actions, things that destroyed your life and the life of people around you, the things that would bring you shame. Jesus took it all on. And he took also the shame itself. Hebrews 12, 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, rejecting the shame. There's a lot of different words used there, but, but that shame was part of it all. That, that feeling of badness that you don't deserve to be in God's presence, the, th- the thing that pushes you away from God, even though... There's somewhere inside of you that knows that nothing can separate you from God. But shame wants to tell you that's not true and that you better run and you better hide because God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Jesus died for that. And do you know that that's, that's one of the main reasons he died publicly in humiliation? Do you understand that? They didn't put a gun to his head in a closet somewhere. They, they, he, he died the most gruesome death for you publicly in a very shame-filled way. But you see, he had to take it all on, including the shame. Whatever he didn't take on himself was going to be left for you. There's no, <laughs> there's no place for shame. He took it. He said, I'm going to take it all. I'm going to feel it all. All, Not only the sin, not only the actions, not only the hurt, but the shame. All of the shame behind that of wanting to run and hide, wanting to kill yourself because life's not worth living. That's the ultimate shame right there. I am not worth being alive for. That's the ultimate shame. Jesus took it all. And so that's why when we say that Jesus gets gets what he paid for. It's not just the healing or, or, or loving people. That's all. Yes, yes, yes. But he also gets to take from you what he purchased because he says, that's not yours anymore. You can't have it. I took it from you. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay for you to live in shame and guilt and the things that are killing you because I died for that. See, he can't go back on the cross, can he? There's, there's not one more thing he can do. Otherwise, honestly, the whole thing was a farce. But he did it all. He did it all. He said, it is finished. It's finished, Papa. I did what you said. And so now, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Because there's nothing more to be done. He took it all. So why, why do we still live in pockets of shame? How can it even happen? I, there is 
there's no question that there is a process in our end that the Holy Spirit is helping us move through of receiving, of apprehending, of, of living, of experiencing, of enjoying everything that Jesus paid for. We get it all. But just like the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, who was healed by Jesus, he said, you know what? It's your faith. It's believing who I am that actually sozoed you. It's believing my character and believing what I finished for you on that cross. By choosing to agree with that, that's what saves you. That's what heals you. So that's what we're going to do right now. I, I could talk a lot more about it because I, I think I have your attention. I think most people in here probably agree with what I'm saying. But we need to actually do something about it and just give the Lord access Shame wants you not to give the Lord access. Can we just hit this thing head on? That's the problem here. So it seems like a catch-22. And if God were into catch-22s, we'd have a problem. But see, he's way bigger than that. He's, there's no conundrums for God. He doesn't, there's no like, how do I break into this thing? Hmm. See, he's, he says, you watch this. You watch how I break into this thing. I, I want to say this. If, it, if it's in, dependent upon you, to get yourself straight, you're in big trouble. We all are. If, if God doesn't break in and do something, we're all in trouble. But that's exactly who he is. It's exactly what he does. However, he looks for a yes. He wants a yes from us. He, like, like Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I'm the safest person you're ever going to know in your life. I want you to follow me. But Peter had a choice, didn't he? See, Jesus broke in. Jesus broke in with power, with a miracle of fish. I mean, that's just awesome right there. But, and then he breaks, he breaks in with that. And he also then gives Peter truth about who he is and about his destiny. But Peter has a choice. We all do. We do have choices. I just want to say that God is so irresistible. He makes the choice to say no really difficult. You can say no, but the thing is, is that even if you say no for a while, you know, and you're like going like this, you know, no, God, no. And you just, you look this way and oops, you're walking right into him because he's already there. He's like, oh, oh, okay. um, Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Just say yes already. Let him into your heart. Give him access to your heart. It's a little bit scary. The thought of it's scary because you have had people you've given your heart access to who have hurt you. That's why it's hard. Can I tell you, Jesus is not like any one of those people. He is unlike any one of those people. He's not going to share your secrets over here and shame you. He's not going to, um, you know, the next time you do something wrong, just, you know, put it on the morning news. It's just not going to happen. He is so safe and he is so for you. So let's, for a moment, we're going to stop and give Jesus access. Jesus, who perfectly represents your father, who loves you with all of his heart. Would, would you just say out loud, Jesus, I give you access to my heart. 
even the places that I don't know about. The places I've tried to keep hidden from others and myself. I believe that you are safe, Jesus. So I give you access to my heart. So I just want you, you don't have to do this out loud. You can or you can't, it doesn't matter. But I just want you to ask, ask Jesus, ask him, is there a place where shame is still robbing me of the life that you've purchased for me? Just ask him. And for some of you, he may show you, he may show you a place in the past, a decision, a really bad decision you made. Uh, um, for some of you, it might be a, just a, a stronghold in your life that you don't seem to be able to break free of. For some, as Karina said, it may not be a particular, you know, event, a big event. It may just be a a little something, something that seems almost insignificant to you. But if he's bringing it up, don't consider it insignificant because even little things add up to big things over time. And so whatever he's shown you, if he's shown you something, would you invite Jesus into, into that place? Invite him to find you in that place where you'd want to be hidden. Go ahead and let him find you in that place. And shame wants to run and shame wants to Tell him how bad you are and all the rest. But I want you to let Jesus speak to you. Listen to his voice. Let him tell you who you are. Even in the midst of that place. He says, son, daughter, you've forgotten That's all. You just forgot who you were. Let me tell you who you are. Let him affirm you. Listen to his voice. Or if you can't hear a voice, if you don't, if you're not hearing that, See if you can't glance up and see his eyes of love, his gaze of affection over you that hasn't changed one bit, no matter what the circumstance you found yourself.
And Jesus has a question for you. He says, my, my son, my daughter, I died for you. And I took all of the shame for you. May I have that shame. Would you give it to me because I am the rightful owner. I paid for that. It's not yours. May I have it. May I take it from you. And I want you, even if you don't have a particular memory, I, I would just love for you just as a, as a place of faith to say, here you go, Jesus. Here's the shame. Here it is. I don't want it. It's too heavy. It's been destroying me. It's been lying to me. I don't want it, Jesus. Take this. Take it, take it, take it. And Jesus says, thank you so much. You have no idea how much this honors me. That you give to me what is rightfully mine, what I paid at the, for at the cost of my blood. Whoa. I want you to let him tell you more about your identity. Let, ask him, Jesus, who, who do you say that I am? What do you see when you look at me, Jesus? Who am I? Really? And can I tell you, at no time in your life, and certainly not now, when you're looking back at places in your life where shame had the audacity to try and attach itself to you, at no time is, has Jesus been shocked, dismayed, disappointed. <laughs> he has got so much joy in his heart for you. And all he feels is, is thrilled and delighted that you are actually getting to experience more and more and more of what he paid for. The life that he gave you. The exchange life. Do you remember that's what it was? He says, my son, daughter, do you remember what this was? It was an exchange. My life for yours. <laughs> My life for yours. That's the exchange. Everything that's mine is yours. So much so that you have a new identity now. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's your identity. Wow. As a son and a daughter who's Massively loved by the Father. But I have chosen to identify myself with you. And do you know why? Because I'm not ashamed of you. 
I am proud of you. And I am proud and thrilled that we are one. It was my choice, you know. There's nothing about you that shames me. Wow. Jesus, would you just keep going? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask right now. I know that some of you are, have gone to a really deep place with the Lord. If, if you haven't experienced a bunch right now, but you're just feeling some degree of, wow, it's lighter, just feels lighter, just trust that a lot of really amazing things are going on. But I still want to ask Jesus right now, what else? What else do you want to say? What would you give us in exchange for the shame we've just given to you? Is there anything you'd give us? What would you give us in return? you to think about um, the woman who came to Jesus when he was in the Pharisee's house, the one who poured oil on his feet, the one who kissed him. Because I want to tell you something, she demonstrates what it looks like on the other side of shame. We don't exactly know who that woman was. She knew who Jesus was. I want to propose to you that either she had already heard for herself from Jesus that she was forgiven, or else she heard all about it from other people who this Jesus was, and that he forgave and loved. There's no other reason why she would have been in that house. Why she would have been expressing such deep love and affection for Jesus. And once again at the end, after he describes to the Pharisee how those who don't know how much they're forgiven have a hard time loving. After that, he says to the woman, he says, you're forgiven. 
your faith has sozoed you. <laughs> Go in peace. So what happens is that as Jesus washes away the shame with the truth that he loves us no matter what, then all that's left is a heart that wants to worship, a heart that can worship, a heart that has received forgiveness, so a heart that can love more. The more we are forgiven, the more we love, not just the Lord, but other people. So I just want to spend a little time <laughs> worshiping this one who loves us. This one who's taken away our shame. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. You became nothing. your gift of love and I'm in that place once again I'm in that place once again once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. Now you are exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll bow.
once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my sing one more as we agree with our identity. Who the Father says we are. Who Jesus says we are. It's so important that we agree. It's what restores us. He doesn't want us to stay in bad places ever because that's not what he paid for. So it's so important that we agree. We agree with who he says we are.
know that you love me and how I love you too. That's worship to me. Because you are my child. My son, my daughter. chosen you by my hand. You belong to me. Cause you are mine. No one can take you away from me. Mine forever. Born of my spirit. to me. 